0: Hello, my name is Nicholas Corey, and you are listening to Enter the Novelcast. Cybersaurus, The Awakening, Chapter 4 Regina hung onto the Tyrannosaurus with white-knuckle desperation as it tore its way through the moderately busy freeway. Cars swerved and honked, the dinosaur roared and ran on, and Regina kept her head down and just hoped and waited for the moment when Stanley would arrive again. Riding on the back of a charging tyrannosaurus was incredibly difficult, especially with the chaos surrounding them. Most vehicles attempted to move out of the way of the dinosaur as it approached, if they saw it, but the prehistoric predator wasn't afraid of walking right over a car that didn't move, compressing the body and shattering the windows without so much as a second thought. Through the honking of horns, the dinosaurs grunting and heavy breathing, and the wind whipping in her face, Regina was still able to hear the squeal of the police sirens behind them and she knew that the cruisers were closing in. It was likely only a matter of time before they brought in a chopper and attempted to bring down the dinosaur with lethal action. She had to try and get them off of the freeway and into a hiding spot before then. But how? And where? The dinosaur bellowed, its terrifying sound starting to lose its impact on Regina. It came alongside a city bus. The animal lowered its head, peering in. Regina clenched her fists around the animal's skin, tightening a grip as the massive head lifted out and then swung back in, striking the bus's side. The metal frame dented inward, warping, bending and breaking windows. Passengers screamed in alarm and moved to the opposite side of the bus, watching the dinosaur with wide-eyed fear. In a few seconds, Regina noticed dozens of winking blue lights near the eyes of the passengers. They're taking pictures, she thought. How can they be snapping photos at a time like this? The driver tried to turn the vehicle away from the dinosaur while also avoiding other traffic. As it veered away, a small car rolled in between. The Tyrannosaur stepped right over the car in pursuit of its prey, and Regina heard the driver below, through his open sunroof, exclaim, Holy shit! Opening its mouth again as if to roar at the retreating bus, the Tyrannosaur instead jerked its head back, disorienting Regina as she hung on. It made a loud noise, almost like a cough, and then tripped over its own feet and stumbled forward. Regina saw the freeway rushing up towards her, and she let go of the dinosaur, curling her body into a ball. She hit the pavement hard and rolled a short distance away, her hip and thigh taking most of the impact. Without time to even think of the pain, she looked over her shoulder to see the Tyrannosaur stumble forward so bodily that its tail was almost straight up in the air, legs kicking out behind it. A car horn blared as a vehicle sped past, swerving to Miss Regina. The cruisers braked hard as well, sliding to a stop about 50 yards away, but the sound that worried Regina the most was what came right after. Behind the cop cars, she saw a large, rectangular object rushing forward and heard the blasting horn of an 18-wheeler. Her eyes went wide with fear as she saw it weave its way around the cop cars, unable to stop itself, smoke rising from the squealing tires, the cab turning one way and the trailer turning the other. In a matter of seconds, the vehicle commanded her entire vision as it slid towards her, taking up four lanes of traffic, horns still sounding. She couldn't get out of the way in time, so she did the only thing she could think of. Once again, she curled up as tightly as she could, protected her head with her arms, and prayed there was the roar of the chugging semi sounding behind her, then over her, and then in front of her, followed by the deafening smash of the trailer landing on its side, and the sickening screech as it slid across the freeway before coming to a stop another forty yards away. Regina could barely move, so great was her shock but the sound of the police sirens and a voice coming over a megaphone jolted her back to reality. She didn't hear what the voice said, but she knew it was blaring at her. She looked to where the dinosaur had been just in time to see it stepping towards her mouth open. Regina screamed in terror as the jaws parted and the sharp six-inch teeth came down at her. She buried her head in her hands. And the next few moments all happened so fast, and simultaneously, that it wasn't until later that she sorted them out. She heard the sounds of the police stunners firing, the squealing of more cars coming to an abrupt halt behind the police that had already stopped, and the heavy footfalls of the Tyrannosaur. She felt the teeth clamp around her. No, around her jacket. And then she felt herself get lifted up and swung through the air. When she opened her eyes, she saw the ground passing quickly, about fifteen feet beneath her. It was Stanley. She knew it. It had to be. The dinosaur would have just eaten her, but here it was, lifting her up in its mouth and carrying her away from the police, away from the chaos of the freeway. She didn't know where to, and she couldn't ask because the dinosaur couldn't respond. But as she swung away from the police and faced the side of the road, she saw the bright blue sky. There, slowly rising higher into the distance, she saw the great, mechanical shape of a rhino shuttle, its siding a sleek, gunmetal gray, with the circular symbol of the One Nation Corporation on its side. They were at the New Washington Spaceport. Wow, Regina thought as she hung there. We've gone a lot further than I thought. And then her stomach dropped as she looked down and realized how exactly Stanley planned to get to the spaceport directly from the freeway. They approached the edge of the road, which was raised almost two stories above the ground below. Stanley charged towards the edge and leapt, descending into the cargo yard of the spaceport down below. He landed heavily on one of the great metal shipping containers, which took his weight solidly. The landing was rough, and his great dinosaur body stumbled forward, and Regina was dropped from his mouth and landed sprawled out on the, on the metal of the container's roof. Stanley gave a short grunt, and then hopped down to the ground and hesitated. It took Regina a moment, but she realized he was giving her the chance to find a position on his back again as he leaned forward. She jumped down from the container, a full six feet higher than the head of the dinosaur, and landed on his spine, the bony vertebrae knocking the wind out of her. She was forced to grab hold quickly as he sped off and began to weave in and out of the rows of large containers, attempting to lose the police who were behind them on the freeway, moving towards the nearest off-ramp. After he maneuvered them well into the center of the yard, Regina patted the side of his neck a bit. "'Let me down,' she said. "'We need to find an empty one for now.' He stopped moving and squatted down, allowing her to swing her leg around his back and slide off. She landed and stumbled, the pain in her hip and leg apparent now that her adrenaline was wearing off. She began walking towards the nearest container, favoring her bruised leg. As she was walking, she heard a whimper from behind her, and she turned to see the Tyrannosaurus Rex looking intently down at her. What? she asked. The dinosaur grunted again and lightly shook its left leg. Are you hurt? She began moving towards him. Stanley, still in control of the Tyrannosaur, grunted and ducked low, motioning towards her with his snout. Me? She asked. It's fine. It's probably just bruised. It'll be sore for a day or so, but I don't think it's broken. She made her way quickly back to the nearest container and checked the digital locks. It was surprisingly unlocked, and so she yanked on the lever and slowly pulled the door open, wide enough for Stanley to squeeze in. Once he was inside, she closed it behind them, leaving it open just a crack so that they could still get out when they needed to. "'We can't sit here for too long,' she said. "'As soon as the police get into the yard, they're, they're going to start checking all of the containers. "'I just... I just need to rest. Quick.' She sat down, her back against the wall of the container, and looked up at him. It was dark, but the light filtering in from the door was enough for her to see his general shape as well as his face and eyes. Now that she had the chance to think about it all, she could barely believe it. Her husband, largely considered dead for the last three years, was now alive and with her in the form of a dinosaur. Not another person, not a dog, not a snowman or a car or any of those weird things you see in the movies. As a goddamn dinosaur. She could hardly wrap her mind around the concept. She felt overwhelmed at the idea that Stanley was alive again whether or not he was trapped in the body of a prehistoric animal. "'Are you okay?' she asked. Stanley huffed a sharp nasal exhale, but offered nothing else. "'I know. This isn't going to work,' he grunted. "'The The talking thing,' she said, assuming she knew what he meant. "'We need a way of communicating. Something simple. "'Something that that'll work until we have time to come up with something better.' Stanley snorted again, his tail absently waving back and forth behind him. Regina leaned over and looked back at his tail, and suddenly an idea came to her. Stanley saw her quizzical look and followed her vision, turning his head and looking back at his own tail, as if it were an entity of its own. How much control do you have over that? She asked. Stanley began waving the tail around wildly, making wide circles and figure eights in the air. Okay, she said. I'll only ask you yes or no questions. Tap your tail on the ground once for yes, twice for no, understand? Stanley looked back at her, and there was a dull thwap as he slapped his tail to the floor of the container. Regina smiled. Finally, she was making progress. Are you in any pain? Thwap, yes. What, what kind of pain? Stanley cocked his head to the side. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, uh... Do your legs hurt? Thwap, thwap. Okay, does your neck hurt? She motioned to her own neck, indicating the cuts he had sustained. Thwap. Is that all that hurts? Thwap, thwap. Do your sides hurt? Thwap, thwap. Does your head hurt? Stanley considered the question for a moment. Rather than striking the floor with his tail, he instead scraped it across the ground. What's that? Sort of? Is it your eyes? Thwap, thwap. Your your nose? Thwap, thwap. Your jaw? Thwap, thwap. She thought about this for a moment. It was a strange statement. His head sort of hurt. Or rather, maybe it was sort of his head. Is it your brain? Do, Do you have a headache? Thwap. You do? Is it from the stunners? Thwap, thwap. Okay, she thought some more. And then something occurred to her. Is it the dinosaur? Thwap. Can you feel him right now? Thwap. Is he trying to come back? Thwap. Stanley whimpered, a strange sound to hear from such a large, normally terrifying animal. We'll get through this. Do you like being a dinosaur? Thwap. You thwap thwap. She smirked. You do and you don't. Thwap. Well, you're big and you're strong. Those stunners barely had any effect on you. Took like 20 of them to slow you down. But you're still a dinosaur, and you're not your old self. She thought for a few moments more. They were suddenly capable of rudimentary forms of communication, but other than the immediate situation, she couldn't think of much else to ask. Do you have any idea why Harland had a dinosaur in his lab? Thwap, thwap. As she thought some more, there was a soft gurgle as her stomach shifted, and she realized that she hadn't eaten anything yet today. She was already far more active than normally, burning through energy without restoring it. She looked up at Stanley and realized he must be far worse than she. He was larger and needed much more food than she did. At least, she thought he did. Why else would a Tyrannosaur have such a large mouth? Are you hungry? Thwap. Okay. We need to get out of here. "'Can you be quiet?' Stanley whimpered a bit, and then scraped his tail across the ground. "'Well, you're going to have to try. I'm sure the police are getting into the yard by now.' There was a low, metallic groan as the door to the shipping container slowly pushed open, and Regina poked her head out. Above her, the large head of a Tyrannosaurus Rex stuck itself out as well, the two of them looking around for any sign of the police. After a moment, Regina realized she couldn't see much. All the rows and stacks of containers were blocking vision further out than 15 yards or so, but she could hear the police. It sounded like they were talking to someone who worked at the starport, as they were explaining why they needed to search the yard immediately. There was the electronic beeping of a passcode being entered into a digital lock, and then Regina heard the sound of the yard's gate being rolled open. The employee had given them access. She and Stanley had to be extra careful. She turned around and looked up at Stanley. All right, stay here. I'll run ahead and see if I can find a place to go, and then come back for you. They'll probably be watching the entrance, so we'll have to find another way. Stanley snorted and then took a step back into the container, out of the light. She found it hard to leave. She had a very real fear that plagued her mind. Stan, she said, keeping her voice down. Promise me you'll be here when I get back. He whimpered, and she knew she couldn't get much more of an answer than that. Regina turned around, looking around the corner of the container. Since the coast was clear, she bolted outside and towards the next stack, keeping close to the sides, using the big metal boxes as cover. She would stop near the corner of each one and listen, hearing the footsteps of the officers who were still some distance away. She knew it was only a matter of time before a chopper showed up here, and they would need to be long gone by then but where would they go? They couldn't just run out of the starport, they'd be spotted. And they couldn't run into the starport. Too many people. She briefly thought about sneaking aboard the next shuttle that would depart, but she had no way of knowing when it would take off, and the ground around a shuttle that was being prepped for takeoff was always busy with workers. They'd never make it out of here without being seen. She looked back up to the freeway, raised above her on thick concrete columns, She saw the service road that ran from the starport out and under the freeway, and the big concrete barriers on either side of that road, all on the outside of the yard's fence. She felt like that was the way she had to consider. She looked around the barriers and the fence, looking for something that might offer some sort of hiding place for her and Stanley. She sneaked closer, keeping low and moving quickly, passing by a large dormant cargo bot and coming right up to the fence. And then she saw it. Just down a short distance, outside the fence, in the side of the concrete wall beneath the freeway, was a ditch. She ran over to the corner of the fence nearest the ditch, and as she approached she heard the trickle of water emptying into a pool or stream. She peered down and almost cheered when she saw it. A great sewer culvert was down there, emptying into the bottom of the ditch. It was tall enough for Stan to walk into, and close enough that they could make it there after a short run, once they got outside the fence. She made her way back to the container where Stan was waiting. Once she got there, she stopped dead in her tracks. Walking up beside the same container, slowly, was a police officer. He and Stan weren't aware of each other, as they couldn't yet see each other, but in a few moments the officer would turn the corner and see the dinosaur. What made matters worse was that the officer didn't have a stunner in his hands, but a pump-action shotgun. She didn't know how badly that would hurt a six-ton dinosaur, but she didn't want to find out. She waved her hands, trying to get Stan's attention. He saw her and lifted his head, peering out from around the open door. She lifted her hand up in the air, raising one finger, and then pointed to the side of the container on the other side of the door. She then started to mimic the officer's stance and movements. Stan snorted. The officer stopped, and Regina realized he had heard the dinosaur. After a moment of tense silence, the cops started to approach again, walking much slower and with more caution. There was a metallic cha-chunk as he cocked the shotgun. Stanley's head perked up at the noise. He recognized it, and he knew it wasn't a good sound. Regina held her breath and looked at Stan intensely. In a couple more steps, the officer would round the corner of the container's door and see Stanley, and likely fire on him. She had to do something. She couldn't let him get shot, even if he was a big dinosaur. She got up from her hiding spot by the cargo bot and stepped out. The cop saw her and pointed the gun at her. Freeze! She stopped immediately, hands in the air. The cop, still holding the shotgun with one hand, moved the other up to his temple, where he touched the Omni-Net implant just below his black, uniformed hat. This is Officer ran, and suddenly there was a metallic groan as the door of the container swung fast and wide, striking the officer in the face and knocking him out cold. Regina looked with wide eyes up at Stanley, who now stood just outside the container his breath coming a little faster. Okay, she said, trying to calm herself. Stan whimpered. Right. I found something. Come on, we have to be quick. She led him to the rear of the yard and pointed at the ditch. Can you get through this fence? she asked. Stanley looked at the fence and then looked down at his large, three-clawed feet. No, I don't think you're going to be able to jump. We'd better find something and then Stanley lifted one of his great legs, foot raised before him, and brought it down as close to the top of the fence as he could. There was the sound of metal scraping on metal as the fence flattened under the weight of his foot. That works, she said, moving quickly across. All right, come on. Stanley followed closely behind as she approached the ditch and slid down the embankment, his large body making a loud, gravelly scraping sound as he slid down into the sewer water below. Regina looked behind them to the top of the embankment, almost expecting to see the police there already, silhouetted against the blue sky. But she didn't. She didn't see them at all, and so she turned towards the culvert. She could only hope that the cops weren't as ready to run into a metropolitan sewer as she was. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, feel free to visit nicholascorey.com and check out season 1 of Enter the Novelcast. That's at N I C H O L A S K O R Y.com. Also, if you enjoy audiobooks, please visit audiobooks.com/novelcast. Audiobooks.com has millions of titles for you to choose from, and if you go to audiobooks.com/novelcast, you'll not only be signing up for a free starter trial, but you'll also be showing your support of this podcast. Thanks again for listening, and I will catch you next time.